This is the Lavender Woman's Podcast. Welcome. You are about to listen to an episode in the Black Series. I've taken a much needed hiatus because let's keep it real, y'all. Life got them hands, right? But I'm back and the Black Series is right on time. During this series, I will be discussing topics that pertain to black lives, black culture, black family, and the black experience with some dope black guests. So as always, thank you for listening and joining a group of individuals committed to becoming more refined, purpose-filled, and purposeful, grace-filled, and graceful. Nothing's changed around here. There'll still be a meme, an affirmation, and a seed of lavender. Let's begin. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? As I've shared on the podcast many times before, I originally started my therapy journey in 2016 as I was grieving the loss of my grandmother. I went in expecting grief counseling and that evolved into weekly maintenance for my life. And that's what therapy has been for me. It's been weekly maintenance for my mental and emotional health and well-being. If this sounds like something that you could benefit from, then BetterHelp is for you. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. It is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counseling network, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. So all of my international listeners, this is for you too. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so that you don't ever have to wait in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is also available. Visit betterhelp.com slash lavender and join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for the Lavender Woman's Podcast listeners, you will receive 10% off your first month by visiting www.betterhelp.com slash lavender. Tell them they can sent you. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Lavender Woman's Podcast. So listen, guys, if you have checked out the title of this episode i'm sure you're probably wondering what in the world is she talking about today listen i've had a lot going on and that has made it very challenging and very difficult to record consistently as a woman of color who advocates for wellness and self-care across this platform for other women of color I had to do what was best for me in these moments, and that was to stop 
um, take a pause and really work on me. So this episode is going to be one that is very transparent. Um, if you've been following or listening for a while, then you'll know that I keep it ultra real. And so I'm going to share something very personal um, in hopes that it will encourage someone in hopes that it will change someone's life in hopes that it will save you okay um if you are an og listener then you know that i've recorded i think three episodes with um my husband previously um side effects or was it pros and cons of being married to a strong spouse um, a damaged spouse and then I think we recorded the Lavender Woman and Iron Men episode right and we've been together for 18 years and we're nearly married for 15 years before we decided to separate and ultimately divorce um, there are casualties in love and war that's the best way that I can explain this situation um, as I was doing research for this episode, the numbers and the statistics that I found were just mind-blowing. So I'm going to share those with you now. And this comes from the National Center of Health Statistics. It is a um, branch of the CDC. So these statistics are from 2019. I could not find any 2020 um, statistics on their site. But this is um, provisional data for 2019, and these numbers reflect the United States only. I did not do re research on other countries. These numbers are for the U.S. only. In 2019, there were 2,015,603 marriages, and 746,971 ended in divorce. I don't know if y'all caught the significance of that number, so we're going to run it back. There were around 2 million marriages and 750, nearly 750,000, not 7,500, not 750, but nearly 750,000 ended in divorce. Y'all, that is an astronomical number. That number is scary. And as someone who promotes love and family and marriage, um, and for someone whose marriage is ending in divorce, that number was super um, mind-blowing because I will be included in the in the data from 2021 once that's concluded. And, you know, my grandparents were married for 64 years. And I come from a, a culture where if you got married, you stayed married, like regardless. And growing up in the country, you knew, um, you know, I knew plenty of families where the husband had families across town and other children and the wives never left. Um, I think women as a whole and even some men, um, we're shifting our mindsets. And that's what's allowing us to have the courage to walk away. So with that being said, um, Overall, our marriage was good. It was healthy. I 
know for a fact we definitely had more good times than bad times. We met at 18. We started a family really quickly and we've accomplished so much. You guys, we've traveled. We've built memories that will last a lifetime. We have two beautiful, amazing, gracious daughters that I'm so grateful for. And um, we're going to fight our battles in private, sharing with a few trusted individuals. Uh, Y'all won't see me dragging him on Al Gore's internet. Okay, that's not what you're going to see um, as a result of what we are going through. But even with the marriage being good and healthy for the most part, this is what I know for certain. This is what I know for sure. Our marriage got sick. And we didn't give it the proper care. And what sometimes with illnesses and sickness, if left untreated, it can end in death. So here we are. Divorce is much like death. You literally go through the five stages of grief, just as if, you know, a loved one, a significant other, a family member, a friend has passed away. You literally feel all of those stages, right? The first being denial. This isn't really happening. The second being anger. I'm pissed that this is happening. The third, bargaining. If you come back, I'll do X, Y, and Z. The fourth being depression. I can't live without him. And the fifth being acceptance. This is really happening and I will be okay. I'm finally out of my depression stage and I am boldly walking into my acceptance stage. I was in my depression stage for several months where I only worked and went to the grocery store and raised my children. I was kind of off the grid laying low. Then I had a health crisis in July that really shook things up and I am still um, in the process of healing and recovery from that health crisis that just kind of came out of nowhere and knocked me off my feet for two months. So um, that's going to be an episode that'll come in the near future as well because Black women, this one is is, is for y'all because anyway, something really unimaginable happened to me. But, um, you know, I did what I had to do. I went off the grid. I laid low. I kept my head down. I stayed in. I did the work. I had my therapy sessions. I confided in a few trusted friends. Um. And so this acceptance stage is where I am, and it is what it is. It's all good, y'all. Things happen. Sometimes things fall apart. But when I look at, like, the synopsis of our marriage, right, when I look at the overview, by 23, we had been together for five years, had been married for two years, and had two children. At 23, our brains weren't even fully developed, so we were underdeveloped adults managing marriage and children and bills in house in a household and jobs and everything in between and basically we grew up together you know we were we were kids when we started out and I'm thankful that we made it 18 years I'm thankful for that time um and I'll cherish it forever but one thing that this divorce is teaching me I can't say has taught, it's teaching me because each day I'm learning something new um, about this process and about myself is that I've never chosen me ever. I've always been chosen. Um, This process has shown me that I haven't quite loved myself the way 
I was capable of in a really long time either. It's teaching me how to love myself and love myself well, how to show up for myself and choose myself above all. So these are the five things that I've learned about myself during this process. Keyword, five things I've learned about myself. I've and myself. I've learned about myself. Okay. Number one is I can do hard things and do them exceptionally well. Number two, I deserve the type of love I give. Number three, I'm not perfect, but I am worthy. Number four, I am not hard to love. And number five, I am whole with or without a partner. This entire process and transition has not been without growing pains. I want to be explicitly clear about that. And it's the opposite of what I anticipated, of what I envisioned, of what I imagined. Because after spending 18 years with someone, we've literally spent 50% of our lives together. And when you really um, calculate that, I'm, I'm being serious. I've spent half of my existence with this person, with my partner, right? And so even if it ended in divorce, you're thinking, oh, we're still going to be best of friends. We're still going to meet each other in the middle and compromise and all of those good things because it sounds great and it looks great, but that may not be your reality, right? We're doing the best we can. We've never done this before. Uh, some days it's an epic failure. Other days we... Um, come out swinging and we hit every um, ball that comes our way and we hit it out the park and, and, and we have a great day and other days not so much, but we're figuring it out as we go. So with that being said, these are the nine lessons that I've learned from my marriage ending in divorce. Again, keyword that I've learned, okay? Number one is love is not enough. And I really mean that when I say it, we think, oh my goodness, I love my partner. I love my spouse. They love me. Love will save us. Love will rescue us. And I promise you it won't. If love was, if love could save and rescue, it would have saved and rescued my marriage. Love may bring you together, but it won't keep you together. Okay? The work and the commitment is what keeps you together. Number two, inconsistencies are serious red flags. Listen to me clearly when I say this, right? We have to address red flags while they're still pink. I'm going to say that again because that went over your head and it's important. We have to address red flags while they're still pink. Consistency is the mother of mastery and to master anything, including marriage, consistency is key, right? Those things that you are noticing that are becoming more and more and more inconsistent, those things are ultimately going to be the things that will possibly drive a wedge between you and your spouse. Number three, discuss grievances immediately. Listen, I'm sure if you grew up in church or if you grew up churchy like I did, you've heard the, the saying in the scripture, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Well, I don't think that that's completely doable in all situations because sometimes you need to let, you know, uh, your emotions kind of simmer down a little bit before discussing it, but you have to talk about it. Sometimes we get in the habit of just letting things go and not discussing them. And what happens is bitterness and resentment will begin to grow and fester. And you're going to wake up one day and you're going to not like the person you're married to. And you're going to... um. You're going to resent your spouse 
because so many things have happened that you guys were not able to communicate clearly and work through. Number four is what are your deal breakers? So it's best, in my opinion, to establish these early. Like you need to know what they are going in, but also be um, understanding that they are going to change along the way, right? So think about it this way. Don't marry for potential because potential is a non-factor when you're dealing with a human being, right? You have to look at your partner as if, if nothing ever changes, can I stay and can I be happy? Can I have peace? Can I have joy, right? Not, oh, I'm, I'm hoping that they're going to change or I'm hoping that this is going to change in our relationship and in our marriage. No, what if that person stays exactly like they are today? 20 years from now, could you be happy, have joy and have peace with that person, right? What are your deal breakers? Establish them early and be flexible and understanding that along the way, as you grow and change, that your deal breakers are going to grow and change. Number five, I don't know why this is number five. I just kind of stuck it in the middle, but in my opinion, it's the most important one. Number five is don't stay after the expiration date. That's what we did. We stayed long beyond our expiration date because you know when it's over. You have this feeling it won't go away. It haunts you. It taunts you. It teases you. Um, it's a feeling. It stinks. It reeks. You can smell it. Like you know when time is up, right? And I'm not inside marriage, not by a long shot. I still believe in marriage. I still believe in love, right? But I also... <laughs> don't want to stay in a situation that's no longer healthy or beneficial. So what my marriage ending and divorce has taught me above all is that sometimes loving yourself means walking away. So number five is don't stay past the expiration date. Number six, and it might be helpful guys to write these down. Like, feel free to go back and listen again, to rewind, to write these down. Maybe you or someone you know um, is navigating divorce or has been, um, have been contemplating divorce. These tips have been helpful for me along my journey, and I hope that they will be healthy, um, helpful to you or someone that you know. So number six is marriage is a partnership, not a sole proprietorship. And those are business terms that we're speaking here, right? Because the government treats marriage like a business transaction. Um, but when it comes to your household, to your partner, it should be treated like a partnership and not a sole proprietorship. In my opinion, in my opinion, gender roles are so outdated, right? Um, you know, 50 or 60 years ago with our grandparents and even with some of our parents, gender roles were a big deal. The men went out and they worked and they brought home the bacon and they paid the bills and they worked on the car and they cut the grass. And the women were expected to keep the house clean, raise the children, cook the meals, run the errands, buy the groceries, all of that. I feel like a true partnership is when both partners contribute equally at what they're good at, right? So if I'm the better cook, then preparing the meals will be how I contribute. 
my partner could be better with handling our finances. That's how they would contribute. I believe a true partnership is each one of us knowing what we do well and in, in showing up and doing that thing well in our marriage. Um, a partnership would be I will cook the meal. My partner would clean the kitchen and put the dishes away, right? Um, that's what partnership looks like instead of leaving everything for, for one person to do as if it was like a sole proprietorship or like um, just leaving all the responsibilities for one person. It's gonna, it's just going to end in burnout and that person is not going to like you at the end of the day. Number seven, you can only change yourself. Sis, we're good for this, right? Women, we love to think that we can change a man because he loves us and we love them and we're so awesome. And if they really loved us, that they would want to change for us. It doesn't work that way, okay? It'll be easy if it did, but yeah, it doesn't work that way. A person is only going to change if they want to, period. They're going to change when they want and what they want, but it has nothing to do with you. And this goes back to your deal breakers being clear. If this never changes, can I stay and have peace and joy and happiness? Number eight, couple goals are a myth. Listen, <laughs> we see people on Instagram and on YouTube and they seem like the happiest, healthiest couple or family ever, right? Believe me when I say you do not know what people are going through behind closed doors. So instead of glamorizing what we see, the the outward appearance that a lot of people give off, because I've, I've been guilty of that, you know, um, us not being in a good place, not being healthy, but still going on vacation and posting pictures as if we are. Um, a lot of people do that and you just see the glitz and the glamour and the trips and the the beautiful homes and the luxury cars and the, oh, he buys her this, that, and the other. And at home, they are fighting like cats and dogs. So can we like diminish the couple goals? Like, like can we not? You know what a real goal is as a couple? When you are doing the individual work that is going to contribute to the collective work of your marriage, that's what a real couple, um, couple goal is, right? When you are dedicated to being the best version of yourself so that you can show up as the best version as a spouse, as a parent, or whatever your role may be, that's what the real goal is, is doing the individual work that will add to the collective. Um, so yeah, can we stop like glorifying all of these pictures that we see? I'm here to tell you that a lot of them are not real. Number nine, last but not neat, um, last but not least, soulmates are a fallacy. Listen, before you cancel me or stop listening to this episode, just hear me out for a second and why I believe soulmates are a fallacy. I have learned that love is created, not found. So if that's the case, then the love that you desire or the love that you need, right, is not already found in another person. It's created with that person. That person has to equally want to share that with you. There's a person who can love you the way you need to be loved, that can hear you the way you need to be heard, that can see you the way you need to be seen. And I don't believe it's just one person. For the world to have billions of people, 
for it to only be one person that can do that. No, I believe that you can create that with multiple people and hopefully you find your person and um, and it lasts and it has longevity. But the love that you desire is not already in them. The 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 light is there, right? But you have to create it. And that's what makes the light shine brightly. Um, so, yeah, I don't believe in soulmates anymore, but I believe that you can create the love that you desire with a person that equally wants to love you that way. They equally wants to see you that way and equally wants to hear you that way. So in traditional fashion, each episode, I scour the Internet <laughs> looking for memes that resonate with the topic for the week. And so when I was looking, I ran across this one and it was perfect. The meme reads, don't be embarrassed by your current situation. Half of these people are covering up the same situations with filters and smiles. Make a plan, cut off distractions, stay focused and execute consistently. You'll make it. I promise. That goes back to me saying couple goals are a myth. We fantasize about what we see, what other couples have, what we see them doing, the places we see them going. Don't be embarrassed if your situation ends like mine. You hold your head high, you stay focused, you uh, commit to healing, and you come out on the other side. The affirmation for this episode is, I do not beg, I attract. Love is my birthright. If your partner, your significant other, your spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever you guys call each other, your bae, your boo, your honey, makes you feel like your heart's love, that's not your person. That's not your person. For me, someone who has suffered multiple traumas, right? You have to love all of that. Not the trauma itself, but knowing that the trauma is a part of me. You can't just act like that part doesn't exist and just love the parts of me that make you look good or the parts of me that make you feel good. No, I need you to love me, love all of me, and love me loudly and boldly, right? I'm committed to the work. I'm, I'm healing. I'm doing the work. But if you're making me feel like I'm hard to love, you're not my person. So the person that is meant to love you or love all the parts of you, the parts that can be challenging sometimes, the parts that are hard to talk about, the parts that are indifferent, the parts that are beautifully broken, the parts that you haven't shared with anyone. They're going to love all of you. Okay, so just keep that in mind as you navigate on um, relationships and especially marriages. Each week we plant a seed of lavender. And what that is, is that we water this seed with intention until it begins to take root and grow in our lives. The seed of lavender for this week is healing. When I tell you that another person won't heal you, I mean it. I know we think they can, and I know we think we can, but another person won't heal you. Another relationship won't heal you. What's so strange to me is when you jump right into another relationship and you have not processed, you have not healed 
All you're going to do is bleed on the next person. And it's not even their fault, right? They're going to get the residual that's left over from your previous relationship. So I know you're saying like, sis, you don't understand what I'm going through. I'm literally walking through hell right now. Like you don't get it. This is hard. I promise you I get it. I've been going through this process now for seven months. I know how it feels. I know what you're going through. I know how lonely you feel. I know how abandoned you feel. I know how hurt you feel, how angry you feel, how depressed you feel. I know all of those emotions and those feelings because I have navigated them myself. But if you're going through hell, my advice is to keep going. Do not stop. Do not unpack your bags. Do not set up shop. You're just passing through. And sometimes you have to lose to win again. I love you guys. I'll be back with another, um, with a part two to this episode. And that will be with a guest who is on the other side of divorce. I'm still currently navigating divorce, but I'll be having a guest who has completely gone through the process and we're going to talk about it. So be encouraged, take good care of yourself and each other and abundant love and light to you guys always.